Hey, it's Tierney, and you're listening to Tierney Talks. Today's episode is very special and much anticipated. We have Haywan Aspa and Ale Limus in the studio. Both of these people are friends of mine who I'm lucky to be in community with and learning from. They are both abolitionist thinkers dreaming up the future world. And luckily for me and many of my fellow housewives and Bravo fans, they are often using the real housewives to articulate and better understand the many systems of oppression we live in and under in this country. Please enjoy our conversation. I'm eager to know what you think. So listen to the end and then hit me up with your impressions and feelings. Enjoy. Hey, what's up? Welcome back to Tierney Talks. It's a Monday. Uh, We're in Silver Lake at Pirate (laughs) Studios. I'm back with my muse and collaborator, Margot Padilla. And I have two very special guests here today. Both are thinkers who I really admire, but... Obviously, the thing I want to think with them most about is Housewives, Bravo, reality TV, and pop culture. So welcome, both of you, Ale, Heywan. You want to introduce yourselves? Hello. Uh, Hi, everybody. This is um, Ale Lemus. I am um, um, from L.A., Valley, born and raised. Well, born in Santa Monica, raised in the Valley. Um, yes. But um, rep the Valley hard. Thank um, you. And I'm excited um, to be here. My pronouns are she, hers. You're a Libra. I'm a Libra. <laughs> I'm a That's Libra right. sun. I'm a Cancer moon and a Libra rising and Ooh. a Libra Venus. So I'm like wow. Libra all around. Out. It's your season. Yeah. And I'm a reflector as a human design. Reflector. Is your birth- When's your birthday? October October 11. 11. Mm-hmm. Okay. I have the same birthday as Cardi B. So. Okay. <laughs> Enough said. <period. laughs> Put the rest together. And that was beautiful. Uh, <laughs> hey, Juan, wanna? Yeah, let I'm us so, in? so excited to be here. This is what we do on a. Anytime we see each other, housewives come up. So mm-hmm. it's nice to have this intentional time. Yeah. I'm Hey, Juan. I use she, they pronouns. I'm a Scorpio sun, a Capricorn moon, and a Virgo rising. Um, my human design is a projector and kind of like what I do in the world is I am a professional dreamer. I am um, a cultural strategist and a reality TV watcher. And I'm often thinking about how to dream up a new future. And yeah, that's what I do in my free time. And that's what I do in my professional life. Amazing. And I love that we're going to be able to use some of our housewives like arsenal of knowledge and stories and experiences to explore some of those concepts of dreaming for like a better future for all. Um, I want to start with just kind of given the special history that we're friends who I can also say are like the siblings of some of my best friends. Mm -hmm. I'm very curious about like your early Bravo moments or experiences like were you a fan growing up or was there a particular time these shows like hit for you in your life Mm -hmm. I was an early Housewives fan so in high school um, I was watching The Real Housewives of the OC which was the first season ever 
And it was very strange and bizarre, and it just kind of got sucked into that world. Um, but then a number of things, like a million-dollar matchmaker, top chef I love. Yes. Um, so a little bit of everything. Yes. Yeah. And I watched um, Project Runway. I'm also like, I love fashion. I love style. So I probably, that was my first intro was uh, Project Runway, um, Top Chef. And then I started I started actually watching Housewives. I want to say like in 2010. I was like in my early 20s and it was um Real Housewives of Atlanta. Mm, it was like mm-hmm. early Atlanta, but I watched like sporadically. It was on and off. Um but I didn't actually start watching it more religiously. Yeah. <laughs> until like <laughs> 2015, 2000 around that time. What do you think about that time kind of created the like rise in importance or like your change in relationship to the shows i mean practically i moved back home so that's, <laughs> i had a cable that'll do it yeah <laughs> mm-hmm. so i had a cable at my parents house and i just started watching it and i was just sucked in mm-hmm. um it was the first season that kenya came on oh nice um and that was just like it for me mm-hmm. transcendent mm-hmm. <laughs> that's one of my top housewives of all time um i can't Kenya stand Moore. kenya but <laughs> <laughs> but the drama Ooh. she brought was, was fabulous <laughs> exactly. we'll get there yeah. yeah for me i so you know i think it was also just being in high school depressed bored that i started watching and i took a little bit of break so in between like after college Um, I was doing community organizing, working with young people, and a lot of that work kind of pushed me into the mental health field and eventually led me to Ethiopia, where my father's from, and I spent about a year and a half there. And when I came back, so much had changed around the U.S. landscape. Trump was running for president. I was watching a lot lot of this um, in the motherland. So coming back, it it almost felt like watching reality TV. Wow. And (laughs) so then stepping into it, um, and seeing how drastically the world had shifted. Um, and then this fool actually became president. And then the housewives became even more relevant to me, um, specifically dissecting capitalism and white dominant culture and really learning how that breeds more mental health illness, um, how uh, just celebrity culture and how it impacts all of our life. Um, so, yeah, and I just watched it with a different eye coming back into a completely different political context. Wow. And it's weird because it's like as horrific as some of the like experiences or dynamics that are extrapolated from watching it also kind of is like becomes juicier than ever mm-hmm. because of the like race mm-hmm. stakes like in mm-hmm. any story. Yeah. yeah. In 2020, Rahel would be like, what are you doing? You're watching Housewives again. I'm like, it's called research. I'm studying. Yes. <laughs> yes. I did a lot of research in 2020. <laughs> and the research will continue. We are going to be yeah. students. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, just to like establish my little bravo-ness, I was very into it growing up, like around middle school with like the Kathy Griffin mm-hmm. show. Yes. Oh yeah. And I loved the, the to show what a fucked up white capitalist Capricorn I uh, am and was is the Jeff Lewis flipping out. Oh my God, I remember that. Oh my God. I yes. was obsessed with him yeah. and like. When looking back, I, I'd make a joke, but I'm not actually really proud that I was obsessed with him. But <laughs> I am like now, like, wow, that was my first like insight into like a toxic white gay masculinity mm. that perpetuated a lot of like similar harm and misogyny. But yeah, Jeff Lewis um, was I was down and also the OC Housewives yes. um, were big for me. And then 
when I went to college, like from 2010 to 2014, I didn't watch any of it. Um, and I also love Top Chef mm-hmm. and some of those shows, but I was like completely out of the Bravo verse. Um, and then when I, I kind of watched a little bit in the years between um, like 2014 and 2017, like once in a while. Mm-hmm. Um, but then I broke my leg out of nowhere, like really badly. And I was like laid up a couple of months um, in my parents' house, like similar mm-hmm. back in the valley, back with TV in my bedroom and cable. <laughs> yeah. And because um, in my LMU house, right. I actually didn't have internet or anything. Yeah. I was listening to like CDs and the radio, but like a, yeah, experiment. Um, but it was just such a bomb to return to the shows. And then it, I guess I explain all that because the shows that I'm most interested in, it kind of created a situation where I could go back and see things for the first time. And like, mm. I feel like if you love housewives or some of these different kind of reality shows, there's just like those iconic moments that you can never get your first, you know, yeah, <laughs> watching back, <laughs> you know, the first watch, um, no, I think now that you were you're talking about that, I'm thinking about where I was when I started to watch it again religiously. It's like similar to Haywan, I was working as a community organizer for like seven years, and so I worked. Um, we worked long hours. It was it was uh, we worked with youth, um, and it was all based around like how do we dismantle these systems of oppression, racism, classism. Um, prison industrial complex, school to prison pipeline. And so my life was revolved around that, was revolved on being like an anti-capitalist, you know, living in a collective house, all that kind of stuff. And when I finally, and and I went back to my parents' house and I was watching these shows and it was like an escape from all of that, mm-hmm. from having to think about being really like uh, ultra, you know, uh, uh, yeah. about everything else in my life. I was able to actually escape into this world of like, excessive and filthy wealth and these women who are just like they care they're fighting over the most ridiculous petty things yeah but they're not really you know they're naturally not petty but that's a different conversation yeah um but um and so it was like it was literally a guilty pleasure because i'm an anti-capitalist but how am i watching and consuming this show that is entirely based upon capitalism yeah and so um but i mean eventually you just have to like it, it it's important. It's important for the culture. Like we can't just pretend that we don't live in this society that 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 enables and and uh, puts these um, uh, systems on a pedestal. Right. So it's just like going back to what Haywan was saying. It's like it's research. Totally. <laughs> um. And I think like there's also something to be said of like the generative nature that comes with it. Like. As research, you two get to speak about it. You might share with other friends or fans or um, now listeners. But, like, it also – it shows that, like, learning more about, like, resisting or transforming capitalistic structures or racist colonial structures and all the things that dominate, like, mainstream culture and come from, like, normative white culture. It's, like, learning about all of that or, like, transforming and dreaming of new ways that that does not have to be like not enjoyable right you know it can also bring a lot of pleasure and a lot of fun (laughs) yeah i i feel like the last couple years i have really been in a place of feeling very unapologetic about what i consume the content i consume specifically and that and we me and ale talk about watching things ethically and responsibly and with a moral compass and 
um, there's a lot of judgment. Like I, I've, mm-hmm. I've seen people roll their eyes when we talk about All housewives the and they're like, no, it's related to X, Y, and Z. Um, and part part of that practice is just also releasing judgment around the things that give us clarity and pleasure and to each its own. And yeah. like the idea that like just because it's because it's like a woman, you know, show like mm-hmm. that, like pushing back against that, like, like, you know, that they're um, it's inherently not as um, I could, you know, academically or or, or that, that the pretentious idea that because it's women centric, that it's less than, you know what I mean? Totally. Like it's a women's picture. Yeah. It's a soap opera. Mm-hmm. Um and then I also feel like when certain like mainstream like male celebrities, let's say, come mm. out, like John Hamm recently said that he likes Beverly Hills Housewives and Jersey Housewives or something, it's suddenly like newsworthiness as if we mm. need like mad men <laughs> to tell us that like it's a worthy show, you know? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, but I guess that is at the heart of like this conversation because I think you two are like really specifically organizers and educators or have that kind of um, ability to like communicate so well and that high level of consciousness that people don't associate (laughs) with housewives and reality tv (laughs) and honestly so much of pop culture and like i um listen to bitch sesh podcast sometimes yeah me too um and i really enjoy it a lot of the time but like there's just I get it. But, like, one of the, like, callbacks of that is, like, garbage people. And, like, we're garbage people. And, like, come meet us down in the garbage. And, like, we'll talk about those things. And I'm like, do I just have, like, the hugest ego ever? But I cannot accept that I'm in the garbage. Like, honey, if you could think like I did, like, you will not be, like... Uh, worried about like mm-hmm. what you're consuming. I don't know. Yeah, exactly. A thousand percent. I I like bitch sesh. It's good. I, I, it's very like entertaining for what it is. Yeah. you know. But it's like elder millennial, you know, totally. <laughs> or like Gen Gen X. It is yeah, for sure because even some of the things that come up, especially around sexuality and bodies and stuff. Mm-hmm. That's just one of my um like prickly points when I listen mm. sometimes where I feel like. What? You know, I don't mm-hmm. know. Like uh it comes up in different ways, but sure. I think like yeah, we there's like that normal like I think they made a funny joke the other day though. They were like, Listen, we're old. We give compliments about how you look, okay? Like to their guests. <laughs> and I was like, Okay, at least they're getting like yeah. self aware of it. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um I was like, you know, kind of joking or conceptualizing that this episode would be called like abolitionist real housewives. Um but I think since we have a little bit of our Bravo foundation, like, can we speak a little bit about abolition in a way that will give us, like, an idea of what that is as we move through shows and conversations, yeah. um, like, maybe defining it and, like, the crucial urgency of it? Mm-hmm. You want to start, Ali? Um, do you want to start? Okay. I, I, I have so, <laughs> for me, abolition is so many things. But if I had to put... It in a nutshell of how I've been relating to it recently, it is the practice of building a more consensual world. And I think that so much of the institutions, the culture, um, that is the fabric of this place that we live in, um, we didn't consent to. And um, when I think of abolition, I think of building, I think of growing new things, um, and that we get to create that world together. Thank you. Um, I this summer I read um, Adrienne Marie Brown's um, Emergent Strategy, 
And um, and it's something that we, Hewan and I also are like in an, in a pot together. We are practicing abolition together. Mm-hmm. Um, and the way that that looks like is like um, having very um, courageous conversations, honest conversations, not being a run, not running away from conflict, um, feeling accountable, like having a pot or a group of community mm-hmm. that you feel accountable to. And so one of the things, the values that Adrienne Marie Brown talks about is the smallest all. Um, and how those these small like interactions, our our relationship, the relationship we have with the folks in our pod, are are um, creating ripples, ripple effects with how we uh, we interact and we relate to other people. So my my relationship to Haywan as one of my dearest closest uh, friends, it, it it reverberates um, in the way that I relate to my parents, the way that I relate to my sibling or to. Um, are the people that I date, you know, mm-hmm. like that, all these, these small relationships create ripples. And when you do that in a, in a society in which we're supposed to be disconnected in a, in a capitalist society that in a, in a, a seller colonial society that like is meant to, to um, be into hyper individualistic. Right. And yeah. um, it actually really creates, it shifts like literally like your, your brain, like your, your chemistry. I feel like, like now I, I'm able to relate to the people that I work in a, in a corporate, I, I'm a creative producer as mm-hmm. a, as a, as a, and so right now I'm working on, um, on a very, with a very corporate client and somehow like these, these small like abolitionist values, um, are, are also part of like the way that I relate to these folks in, in power. Right. And like, doesn't mean that everything changes immediately. doesn't mean that I'm there to make a huge shift in the organization but it it helps the way that i relate and keep my joy mm-hmm. and <laughs> my peace yeah um and take care of the people who i feel accountable to amazing i think that's a really interesting way to make clear how essential the interpersonal relationship piece is to abolition because mm-hmm. i think a lot of let's just say listeners right now but like people in general who may agree or mostly agree you know like mm-hmm. they're more towards saying like yeah let's abolish the police mm. but that doesn't mean i want to have a courageous conversation mm-hmm. with my partner mm-hmm. or something mm-hmm. or mm-hmm. just maybe a lack right. of awareness of like the translation of right. like yeah. Um, yeah. yeah all of that yeah I, I i feel like you know uh, we saw a lot of folks at the start of 2020 really um heading to the streets quitting their jobs and trying to um just not trying to feed this place anymore, trying to feed something else, create something else. And it was so scary for a lot of folks because we were imagining a world and a culture that we had never lived in before. And just what Ale is saying around the small is all, it's like whatever's happening on the large scale is a reflection of what's happening on the small. So if we're in the streets talking about defunding the police and fuck the cops and all that, then what is that saying about how we treat each other in our community, how we're taking care of each other when we're in a mental health cycle, when mm-hmm. we're getting pushed out of our homes? Because we we that's where the disconnect was, right? Like ideologically, culturally, we were winning. Um, and then the reality was there was a lot of fear around winning. What happens? Because now I have to take responsibility mm-hmm. for my life. Now I have to have that com- courageous conversation. Now I have to deal with, you know, my neighbor because I'm, I'm, I'm committing to not call the police or I'm committing to show up yeah. in a different way. Mm-hmm. And, you know, the thing around that piece um, 
is that when we figure out how to do that, how we really slow down to take care of each other, move at the speed of trust, which is another emergent strategy principle, and it really speaks on our relationships are our currency. The more we nurture them and deepen our relationship, the answers are there. We discover our creative purpose. We find out what we like. We're now doing exchanges and building pods. Mm-hmm. And, oh, you like mm-hmm. to cook? Like, how about I exchange that yeah. for some child care? Like, resources. Yes, mm-hmm. like you find your resources in your relationships, which is um, completely anti-capitalist because we're not turning to other people to save us. And we're not looking to these systems to take care of us in the same way. We're becoming self-reliant and more interdependent. And I think that's part of the abolitionist practice, too. How do we slow down? How do we move at the speed of trust? How do we pull lessons um, to move different without shaming mm-hmm. ourselves, without mm-hmm. feeling guilty? And I, I feel like that's where so much of the crash happened, too, where people were digging up old things. Like, I, I don't know if you all remember, like, when people were talking about Top Model and everyone yeah. started, oh, yeah. like, talking about how Tyra did all these problematic <laughs> things. And I was on my Facebook and Instagram be like, but we were watching it together. The yeah. cult, yes, the culture was different, and the context and our political education has changed. But that doesn't mean that doesn't mean we're, we weren't responsible for. Why watch every season of that shit? Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah, totally. And it, it's like we aren't the only ones looking at things with new eyes, you know. Yeah. But there's like a we can prioritize or keep awareness of like the eye in those situations, mm-hmm. and like um, I think like when you say courageous conversations. Like it reminds me, I it's really not the same, but it is parallel <laughs> to um, you're talking to the right people, yes, to being exactly. housewives, you know, because like my mom is more recently into housewives and she watches Beverly Hills primarily. And she will, well, number one, she's just always like, Well, I don't like them, I don't like them. I'm like, The point is not to like everybody, you know, yes. like, you like, honey, who the fuck do you like? Like, you know, <laughs> no. but um, she was, I was making fun of her because we're extremely close, but the radical communication, I, I mean, I think so, I want it to be a lot even better but the kind of communication that i'm blessed to have and cultivate with my long-term friendships and like um relationships like with my mom like we're super close but like she doesn't want to talk about like her own feelings and be accountable in that way like often at Mm -hmm. least you know like if it has to happen ever um and so i was like make we were laughing about how often you know to be a housewife is to go into a situation and say like how you feel about whatever happened and mm-hmm, like mm-hmm. in most like mainstream friendship models and stuff mm-hmm. it's just like that would never happen like siblings i know they hold things in for 35 years or 70 mm-hmm. years or something like and look you at know, Teresa and Melissa. <laughs> <laughs> a I mean, that will never end. Oh, <laughs> never. oh my Kathy gosh. And Kim and Kyle. Like, yeah, Kathy and Kim and Kyle. It's just, <laughs> there's just a lot happening. But I think ultimately it's like we, th- th- that's the other piece. It's like everybody is so complex. And no, you're no, you're not, you're not supposed to like every person all the time just because we're not likable all the time. By everybody right. like also it's like we're not this these are also like not scripted characters this is like a whole human being yes there's like yeah production that happens behind the scenes and that's and they're putting on a, whatever but we that is also the reality of reality tv is that these are the entire these are whole human beings right and the person that they are in front of the camera is different than they are in, behind it is different than they are with this particular person and and they're going to be different once they have these resources resources yeah. or once those resources resources are gone right as we've seen so 
Shout out, Erica. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, you're right. As we've seen, it's really not just one story. Yeah. Yeah. Um, the Kathy and Kim. And, <laughs> oh, we're going to David. Rena, that's just, that's like, I mean, I think like the ethics around, like, I don't know, the, like that part, like, it's like the more personal and deep it is, the more like it's so satiating and electrifying because it's like, yeah, there's artifice to reality TV, but that shit is so real. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Beyond, yeah. Yeah. beyond a lot of like sister stories we can get in movies and yeah. scripted shows. Mm-hmm. I don't know. I mean, for me, one of the, the biggest uh, uh, ones is cause it's not just about seeing for me, it's not just seeing uh, real Housewives through like an abolitionist lens, but also through like this lens of intergenerational healing and particularly, like, that for me is New Jersey. Yeah. Because New Jersey's conflict goes, it's like family. And you can tell that these wounds are so deep. They go back to the old country. They go back to Italy. Yeah. And they're learning and, and just to see it happening in front of us, be passed down from their parents to Teresa, Joe, Melissa, oh, then the Gia. Melania, Gia. <laughs> like, it's just, fucking this is what Gabrielle. Mm-hmm. This is what happens when you don't heal. Yeah. yeah. And I, I also think like the context for those who don't watch the show, it very much operates like a cult where Andy Cohen is the mastermind <laughs> per- leader and he gets to pick and choose who gets to continue, who gets more money, um, who comes back, who's most interesting. Yeah. And we've seen people get fired. We've and 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 so there's also a lot of fear around not being pushed out, not being canceled, not being um, remembered. Yeah. And so you see people creating conflict. You you could just see that there's yeah. a lot happening behind the scenes that um, people are moving with fear and needing to be relevant. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Ooh, I was. I had a, a really shady urge to just drop a name of Do it. I, I was going to say Drew Sedora, but I, um, <laughs> no. I feel bad because I um, I actually do really enjoy her presence on the show. But, like, when she was bringing the dog bone, I was kind of like... It was giving extra. Yeah. 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 It was it's, extra. It's, it's, yeah. I may have come around, though, and felt it was almost postmodern. Like, she was aware <laughs> that she was, like, being such an actor, like... Yeah, she's an actor on the show in a way, yeah, and then yeah. it's like, okay, she's an actor. She has props. Like, mm-hmm. okay, that's like Lisa Rinna. She exactly, is a soap opera exactly. star. So soap the way opera. she shows up is literally so theatrical, so obnoxious. Mm-hmm. So and 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 in this last episode of just the conversation and the situation dying, it's over. Sister's not mad. Kyle's not mad. Apology uh, is given. Genuine, <laughs> not not deflecting, and it's continuing to the next episode because. Yeah. Because Rinna decides that she she wants to continue, it's like she's overproducing, and it's not. I, I'm t- I'm. She's and everyone's so just awkwardly up. like waving their head and like, what's happening? <laughs> because they don't want to be that power complex in yeah. the cult you're speaking yes. to. It's yeah. like the awareness mm-hmm. of that. So this episode has been a long time in the making in terms of you two being guests on the show. But at Rahel, our um sibling and friends party <laughs> like a couple weeks ago now um we're partying having fun like in the music dance floor vibes and like i don't i told ale i'm like you know i love her hell because i would be at home watching beverly hills housewives right now if it wasn't <laughs> like for this um 
and you're like, me too. And then I don't even know if I had to ask the question, but you were, oh, I think I said, what do you think of Rinna? And you were like, I want her off. I want, <laughs> I want her, her off. off my TV. I'm tired of her. I really I'm, fully respect that. I'm, yeah. I, why is she more disturbed by Kathy's, by Kathy, whatever, Kathy's meltdown? But she was in Cabo the next day after her mother passed away. Like, it, it just, it, it feels very fake. And and just Lisa is just so not. I don't know. I just don't. I, she's fake. Yeah. I I would I would um I just I think grief is tricky. How people choose to grieve. I think what for me stood out most is how Erica had a similar meltdown on that same trip, and talking about oh, um, right. these victims that um, she has no empathy for. Uh, yeah. Um, yeah. And calling them names, Ugh. not just just being so. Um, mean. I, there's no other word outside just yeah, of disconnected yeah, and I mean. Agree. And there was not pushback. But we need to understand what this person's going through when, um, her and her family caused a lot of harm. Yeah. So, mm-hmm. and the body language of Erica in that scene mm-hmm. and throughout that meltdown was yeah. as if she thought she was back on Broadway, yeah. like walking around, mm-hmm. like as if she acts as though we're supposed to think she's like mm-hmm. iconic mm-hmm. for this controversy, yeah. and it's like we think. A lot of things, but mm-hmm. it isn't that. Um, mm-hmm. I wanted to speak about something with Rena that does relate to the passing of her mom, Lois, but not necessarily in the way of, like, should she have gone on the trip or not, mm-hmm. but, like, the way that she's manipulated losing her mom this season, to me, mm-hmm. really parallels mm-hmm. the way she's using her however long minute ride in the sprinter with Kathy to manipulate something because Mm. she keeps acting like she's getting at such a, what I can't take of her right now is she's like feeling holier than thou. And she's framing the grief narrative as like Bravo included that no one has empathy for her loss, but it's like you're exploiting that to like rev up your soap opera antics in my opinion, (laughs) for example, at that dental um, foundation's dinner and how she was being just so like what was it called the toothless, the toothless. I know what it's called homeless not toothless come on now <laughs> we have our priorities in order <laughs> you can be homeless but god forbid you're toothless oh my god they that are is the most such Beverly a Hill shit ever yes so like um, smiles can change a life you know? <laughs> um, like the way she's trying to take Kathy down is as though Lisa Rinna is like doing the work of abolition Mm -hmm. like she thinks she is taking down like the like force and do I believe the Hiltons are like steeped in white supremacy and racism and classism and misogyny of course and do I think multiple Hilton children we know that they've said like horrible things and Mm -hmm. done these things but like I don't know why Rinna thinks she's like bettering the world off of all these narratives you know if you think about it, Rena, she's been doing this from the jump. Like, she, remember with Kim, she acted like she cared about horrible about uh, oh, uh, her sobriety. sobriety. When in reality, she was sensationalizing it. Right? That was I just rewatched that, and it's so bad. Um, then she's then she said that not to say that I I'm a Yolanda fan at all, <laughs> but she was also like the Munchausens. That was wild, and. I would even, and this might be a little controversial, but like I even think that when her daughter was talking about her eating disorder, yeah, she almost also kind of manipulated that storyline. Oh yeah, for for views or for whatever, right? So she's been that's kind of like her mo. Like 
Mm. You're right. You're right. It's we shouldn't be surprised. Mm-hmm. I think I um yeah, I I heard that like oh, that her other daughter when she had like an accidental overdose situation, she actually called the woman who like works in her house with her um instead of her parents cuz they I don't know why and that's like getting into business that's not mine, but it's just kind of like Rina. You joke. Everyone jokes about you not eating on the show because there's shots of you fake eating on the show, mm-hmm. and then also you make all these jokes and like branding of like drinking a Xanax and pills, mm-hmm, and it's mm-hmm, like mm-hmm. I don't know. It just I feel like there is real conflict in your real housewife life to explore. Mm-hmm. Like she really deflects everything yeah. on. That's I guess mm-hmm. why she chose this strategy and. Yeah. I wanted to know, um, well, I already know the answer, but (laughs) what did you think of her calling herself the LeBron James of Housewives? (laughs) (laughs) Go for Ale. Ale is shaking her head. I cannot stand. She's getting there with Kelly Ben Simone for me. Oh, thank you. God, you are. You just sing to me. I, I just can't. I can't with her anymore. Like, I, I, I always never not I always never liked her but this particular season I she's becoming it's like contrived and like just annoying yeah yeah um I only want to see Rinna back if Vanderpump and or Denise are returning yeah. into the fold mm-hmm. um but even then whatever like I'm I'm happy to end our relationship with her there um but what do you think like do you think um, there was any advice or strategies Kathy and Kim and Kyle could explore in their healing or in their conflict? Um, likewise, like the Teresa Gorga situation. <laughs> my my initial response is the best way to heal these relationships is to get off TV and make a commitment to do that. Mm-hmm. Yeah. there. I don't think you can do both. And, and as, as the moment they heal and make up and their, their, their children are back together. Um, it's something around the show. It's something around clout. It's something around what the paparazzi are saying. And so true commitment to their relationship is choosing each other over being on TV and being famous. Yeah. Mm-hmm. mm-hmm. Uh, and I feel like Kathy and Kim identify Kyle as the one who wanted all of that the most, mm-hmm. and they blame her the most mm-hmm. for it. But it's like, yeah, I. What about Kyle? Would either of you be sad if Kyle wasn't on the next season? Kyle's like an anchor in the show, and 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 I I, I want to be clear to my previous comment. It it doesn't apply in that way. It's there's some sort like like if you take Teresa and Melissa, for example, there there is um, not like, okay if they they get off the show and they heal like it'll be fine. But there has to be some ego check that's happening. There has to be some deep psychotherapy around (laughs) because, you know, I I think also why reality TV, especially the housewives, is so um, you can learn so much is also it really dissects mental health mm-hmm. if you watch carefully. And, you know, when I when I came back, um, I was like in school studying community mental health and I'm a social worker also. And um, 
I remember being in class and we'd just be pathologizing and reading and studying about things like post-traumatic slave syndrome. And I was really shooketh because I just think I thought I was going to enter a different culture and dialogue based on who was in office and what the world was kind of looking like. And I remember um, at an orientation being like, now is the time to really study whiteness as a mental health issue. Like, what? yes, like post-traumatic slave syndrome is real. But if you um, think about what happened on the other side, what does that do to your psyche, your spirit, mm-hmm. right. Right. when you literally think you can own people and rape people and take from people? And, and there's been no acknowledgement that that you know what I mean? Though, for me, that is what births narcissism. That's what births reality TV in mm-hmm. this culture. And so I just I feel like and then and then you have then they throw people of color in the mix and, and make it more complicated. But it's this it's still the same thing. We're all participating in culture where we want to be individuals, seen and important. And I don't think um, the just the family stuff, um, it probably all of these conflicts um, stem from shit that happened when they were kids. Yeah. Because Kyle yeah. often talks about that feeling left out, not being told that she's loved, um, yeah. feeling like mm-hmm. she wants her sister's approval. Mm-hmm. And so there's like reflection on all ends around why, how, how did I end up on TV? Yeah. 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 And I think their mom, big, big Kathy, yeah. <laughs> she's like a figure that looms large in, totally. in, in Beverly Hills. Like we don't, I don't even know what she looks like. Maybe those like, they right. do like a quick shot, but like... It, she's she's kind of like always in the background in a way, particularly with the with their dynamic and, um, yeah, that's something that that really has to. If they if that if restorative justice if there was a restorative justice circle yeah. around the three sisters that would be like a big theme. Mm-hmm. I seriously, um, I this debate around doing it is very or like the ethics of doing it um, is debatable, but. If there was a you know two hour feature film on this family, <laughs> these three girls and the mom mm-hmm. um, that I could watch or write, I would be very much engaged with like. I feel like she was her own kind of cult leader, like yeah. this, like they were her mm-hmm. Bravoverse, and she was Andy Cohen. Yes, um, and like I think when you talk about like I'm I'm learning a lot through the work you both do in terms of like servicing or prioritizing community over individuality um but i think in that like what i could imagine or perceive from the big kathy dynamic is that each of you are like yes you're sisters but you're each like products of your own and like Mm -hmm. you each Mm. like kind of um pushing the hyper individualization for like hoping that means like more booking and you know Mm -hmm. like separate Mm -hmm. um Mm -hmm ins into this entertainment you know industry or whatever she was chasing wealth wealth money yeah Yeah. and i also get that dynamic from what i watched of kyle's show Mm -hmm. um american woman rest in peace she portrayed (laughs) that vibe where like her mom was living a certain lifestyle and post-divorce as that happens to many housewives and people in general like Mm -hmm. um was like, what the hell? You know, I thought I won. I thought I got here with my family and now I might have to experience something else. And those kids were going to have to go out and get it. Very um, Chris Jenner, Kardashian. Mm. So I will say when Rinna said the other night, 
Kathy is so fucking jealous of oh the Kardashians. God. I was laughing so <laughs> fucking loud. But I also was like, as if anybody could be more jealous of them than Lisa Rinna. <laughs> like, no. Facts. Um, I really appreciate like what you were describing about like looking at looking at experiencing and like reclassifying or defining in some ways whiteness, especially as a mental health issue, given like Mm -hmm. the way society has been structured and the violence and um, alienation, isolation, Mm -hmm. just like aspects of white dominant culture in general. Um, When you think about housewives across the different cities, are there any like if we were going to isolate one or, you know, however many housewives as like, optimal case studies for this kind of mental illness or experience um does anyone kind of jump off top of mind like who you would select definitely erica nice erica from beverly hills housewife um that's the kind of uh narcissism that um i get curious about um because i truly believe people are not evil yeah um and maybe the healing is generational and won't always happen in our lifetime or a person's lifetime. Um, but she was she was married young. A lot of these women are are literally housewives. So their income, yeah. mm-hmm. their power, their sense of visibility and, and comes from men, rich, wealthy, mm-hmm. white men. Um, and we often talk about the, you know, the Karens and the really scary white people. But if I had that relationship to white men, I'd probably be really fucked up too. So I, I, I look at that context of her being in this really horrifying case and seeing how she's showing up and and just and yeah, and just really seeing that she, it's not just her, but it's in the context of where we're at in the culture. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I would think. Um, and this is actually one of my favorite housewives, but uh, oh, I take it back. She used to be not anymore. Um, Dorinda. Dorinda uh. is very lost in the sauce. Yeah. Uh, I mean, I I love Lore- I loved Dorinda when she was like early seasons of 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 New York. That last season she did though was hard Ooh. to watch. Mm-hmm. Like it was, she became really like un- like it wasn't fun anymore. Yeah, it wasn't fun to watch her. And then to see her come back in in um in Ultimate Girls Trip was I. I I mean, it was great television. It was great TV. Yeah. But it was, it's really, it, it's somebody who needs a lot of deep, deep um, psychotherapy, a lot of healing to do, a lot of interper- like in, internal reflection. Yeah. That it's hard to see. I also think there's addiction happening there. Yeah. Um, there's like, so I think that that's, that's something that needs to be like confronted. Mm-hmm. Totally. Mm-hmm. I would also add one more person, Miss Daniel Staub. Oh, <laughs> I just feel like you when that um, so she's from New Jersey and throughout it, you know, she eventually gets kicked off the show, but comes back and her story is so complicated and clearly went through a lot as a young person, a lot of traumatic things. Mm-hmm. But she is very I would really love to just study her brain and how mm-hmm. she moves. Yes. And why mm-hmm. I a couple reflections or reactions. One, Ale, when you said Dorinda, I I got like a 
really soulful chills. Like I was like, <laughs> I was like washed in the vulnerability of her tragedy because it's yeah. giving like Shakespearean, sh- like yeah, yeah, the like levels <laughs> of her love and loss is just so intense. And like I was very hopeful for mm-hmm. the girls' trip. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. I don't want to say I didn't need from her like a comeback, or I wasn't like saying she was like losing and needed to come win or something Mm -hmm. like that it was more like i just wanted it to be a great time for her and like Mm -hmm. it was definitely hard seeing um some of her like fucking mania aggression Mm -hmm. at play yeah um yeah i mean i recently so you know i for like new york i i love new york sometimes i'll watch like old episodes just to play in the background and I watched recently, maybe not re- that much recently, but a couple months ago, the it was definitely after the Ultimate Girls Trip, um, the episode where her and um, um, Carol fly to London to to uh-huh. pick up the ashes. Yeah. Carol's husband uh, needs to go pick up her hus- ex husband or her yeah. husband's ashes, and. The entire episode, I was bawling. I was like, this is the vulnerability. This is the Dorinda I love. Yeah. The very, like, vulnerable talking about, you know, um, grief, what grief looks like for them as widows, um, being holding each other in, like, real, in a very vulnerable, very raw way. It was, like, so yeah. beautiful to watch. And then I'm like, then the Dorinda, like, we've just seen so many peaks and valleys mm-hmm. with Dorinda. And then to see what we just saw with her, um, in 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 ultimate girls trip was just like it was, it was heart-wrenching yeah and then also to some of Haywan's points like the way that perhaps the visibility that comes with like the fame and the individuality sure. like um not enhanced but you know what i mean like mm-hmm. amplified and mm-hmm. like mm-hmm. um how that can play on what exists and maybe transform it into like more uncontrollable or out of hand things. Yeah. Um, yeah, I think also being followed around by cameras. Mm-hmm. I think one, you know, I'm often thinking about why dominant culture and a trait is perfectionism and yeah. not wanting people to see you not be perfect or have it together. And we live in a police state, so it makes sense why it's not okay to fuck up here. And yeah. mm-hmm. so the performing and the lying and I'm fine and this is what spirals into, you know, I, when I say narcissism, I'm also just talking about um, a, like a self, a bloated sense of self-esteem and the the um, not having empathy to a point where you don't realize there's actual consequences for your action. That mm-hmm. you could just move yeah. through the world doing what you want, mm-hmm. saying what mm-hmm. you want, mm-hmm. which is why I love the reunions because it's like, oh, wait, <laughs> I can't just say what I want because like, yeah. <laughs> people, they will hold the camera, they will yeah. hold the mirror up and it's embarrassing yeah. for folks. But I just I, I think that's important to name because, um, yeah, like it just it 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 you see how some of these women spiral into actual lawsuits. They mm-hmm. they apply and to be on the show and they're sending in their audition tapes knowing damn well that they are doing illegal shit. That so it's 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 yeah it's um it's it's also something the screen does to our brain to mm-hmm. make us feel some sense of power and self importance that then disconnects us from actual reality. Yeah. And I mean, we have social media to do it already yeah. on a smaller scale, right? Yeah. Everybody does it already through Instagram, TikTok, whatever. And and then now it's like, all right, let's like graduate from social media to a reality show. Mm-hmm. Totally. It just becomes right, right, bigger. Right. You're already surveilling yourself. <laughs> yeah. You use that shit. Yeah. But, you know, now you have 
now I'm like having to keep up appearances. Now I'm like, I'm I I want to show off. I you know that's yeah. it's just then you they get caught up. Yep. I mean just I mean even think about folks who are like what that does to your psyche if you're being followed by cameras all the time. Mm-hmm. Truly, and like performing your. Mm-hmm relationships with your children and mother mm-hmm, or mm-hmm. wife or husband or you know mm-hmm, like yeah. the the level of intimacy um i i don't have as um healthy a gauge of the perfect white mental illness case study uh, <laughs> as you both but i uh I kind of expected Ramona Singer's name to wow, uh, that would have been a good <laughs> one. Ramona, but it's like I don't know. Um, yeah, I, d- I love like having space to see these people. Like um, in a lot of like the narratives, like of screenwriters or whatever, you're always told like, or like the idea in the air is like you're always told that like your um, female characters are unlikable and um or like they can't be they can't do anything bad basically Mm -hmm. or they can't make mistakes and like Mm -hmm. as much as these women often you know do their best to pretend to be perfect um there's these like major shattering moments Mm -hmm. where like that um attempt eventually proves like unsuccessful or that it makes it more real mm-hmm. and it's mm-hmm. not because we necessarily want to see them fall as much as we want to see the real mm-hmm. in a way. You yes, know? totally. And I, I feel like this is why when I watch Housewives 2, I really try to practice not having judgment, mm-hmm. um, which is hard. It's a bunch of rich, wealthy white women, you know, um, but just I think part of the work of of being better people is what is being triggered in you when you say fuck that bitch or what no yeah. I don't like this person or team da 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 not team da 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 like what is ha- yeah. what is happening so I try to pay attention to that in my body and I also just want to name like just again the piece around the culture because it's also that you know talking about Andy Cohen having in a, within a snap of a finger being able to you know choose who's important who gets to stay um they also set the precedent of how they deal with conflict. Yeah. And an example of that is um, Jenny from Salt Lake City being fired. And um, for folks who don't know, she was fired um, because after the 2020 uprisings, tweets um, and old Facebook posts uh, were popping up of her saying pretty racist things. And she's a um, an Asian person, a Vietnamese person. Um, and me and Ade were just like, damn, what a missed opportunity. Mm-hmm. She is saying, you know, my other side is Korean. I've heard people in my my family say the very things she was saying, and it was it's a it's an opportunity to slow down and 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 hold hold space to have these conversations because we have seen for over a decade all these white women getting away with the most yeah. racist shit. Yeah. Me and Ali revisited Real Housewives of OC, and this was filmed 07, 08. Ugh. And the things that they put on TV <laughs> that they allowed people to say, yeah. and without any conversation, Jenny was cut. They mm-hmm. they never, yeah. they didn't even they didn't even mention in the season premiere this week mm-hmm. that she's gone. Mm-hmm. It's, it was like so bizarre. And as a black and Asian person, I'm like, this is such a good opportunity to bring communities together and have a real dialogue. And mm-hmm. I feel like they failed at that. Yeah, and it's like um people that are watching like it's I think it's wrong to assume that the audience wouldn't absorb exactly. and open to mm-hmm. this kind of exactly. conversation. Mm-hmm. Of course, 
grow and educate and learn from it too. But I think there would be a juiciness to that that mm-hmm, is like mm-hmm. uh, just like getting at that reality piece where we all know of not necessarily someone in our lives, but we're just so much more aware of like um, not only cancel culture, let's say, but of like people's um, like likes and tweets and Mm -hmm, you know just mm -hmm, like their digital mm -hmm. experience like reflecting on like um them in the like real world or whatever yeah Yeah. like it 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 impacts um or like it's a reflection of their character yeah yeah you know like it impacts a real life like sure lots of people have some very problematic shit yeah you know um but we should have be able if we really are trying to build a different culture if we really are trying to disrupt White, I mean, white supremacy, and we really are trying to, to um, uh, just just build something different. Then we have to be able to confront these these parts of ourselves, these parts of our our aunts and our uncles and our this and that, and yeah. and the, our own biases, right? Yeah, like we we should be able to like and and con- and confront them without shame and without judgment, and that's hard. And I, and like it's it's always going to be a work in progress, but like. Shame doesn't really move people to actually do, you know, to change really. Yeah, that's a really good point Mm -hmm. to keep in mind. And like in the Jenny situation, I felt that it was racist to dead Mm -hmm. her in that way Mm -hmm. because she's already been brought in. And I mean, I know that the Salt Lake City Housewives was conceived later on and was sort of intentionally Try. I mean, it was like, you know, people were referring to it as like the first cast that had people from all different races or mm-hmm. different races at the onset, but it still felt like she's being brought in as like um, someone who's less represented in Utah than mm-hmm. the majority of the cast. And like the fact that, you know, just the most recent season of New York that Ramona was like at like a Seder saying like... Mm-hmm. um. <laughs> Jewish people hated me and talking about like literally Jews and like just like crazy like mm-hmm. I mean that's just like one bad example of so many <laughs> of so many Ramonaisms yeah <laughs> and that are just straight up like uh, vile you know mm-hmm. and I just felt as though like why did this voice having this like as if Ramona and like I just keep using her because she's like to me Ramona is Donald Trump like they're mm-hmm. like mm-hmm. just they are so be- like disgustingly beautifully aligned and like Mm -hmm. i felt like there's i just didn't understand why like the the gaze on jenny was so much more urgent to like Mm -hmm. police like that interaction without accountability yeah yeah it 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 is the racism and then it's also what was happening in 2020 everyone was getting canceled Mm -hmm. everyone had their files dug up and i feel like um, even though we were moving with kind of the people had the woke language, it's still embedded in white supremacy culture. Yeah. And so it's there's the avoidance and fear mm-hmm. of conflict and oh, the yeah. either or mm-hmm. thinking and mm-hmm. all or nothing. So either she's going to stay or we're going to fire her. There yeah. is no we are living in the binary. Yeah. And it's like, how do we merge into the more uncomfortable middle where we have to deal with each other? Mm-hmm. Yeah. And they didn't show up. And not that I expected it, but just the legacy of how much racism. The show is embedded in trench. And these people have their money because of racism right. and yeah. all these right. things. So it's not surprising 
surprising. And it's also moments to have critical conversations. Like you either get sucked up and you become the trash person <laughs> or you watch. What did you say? The tra- yeah, the garbage people. The garbage the people. Person. Or you take you take art and culture and content and you, you, you reflect on it in meaningful mm-hmm. ways. Yeah. yeah. Um, what do you think about NeNe Leakes suing Bravo? Um for like systemic racism incidents revolve like related to Kim. I actually don't know. Yeah, I don't know of, the details, Tierney. Can you catch us up? Yeah. yeah, so I think it's been settled out of court, but basically, um I'm sure just like a qualitative study similar to that which we could do with OC where you're just picking up on microaggression, microaggression, mm. slur, mm-hmm. macroaggression, mm-hmm. you know, mm-hmm. like a vari- a a whole salad of different yeah. types of like fucked up white supremacy um i believe the case was basically reviewing nini's like tenure on the show and showing how many times like kim zolziak was using like um stereotype like um not necessarily slurs but yeah like racialized language Mm -hmm. and like um basically the show like positioning nini and kim against each other in a way in which it like you know, oh, they're fighting. So, of course, Kim can, you know, they're going to mm-hmm. say bad things about each other. Mm-hmm, but it's mm-hmm. like, it's maybe not um, an equal, like, playing field Got of saying it. those mm-hmm. things when the production is steeped in, like, the white supremacy that mm-hmm, the network mm-hmm, steeped mm-hmm. in, that our country steeped in, mm-hmm, the media right. culture, especially at the inception of the show, you know. So, I think Nini... Um, I hope that she received a nice settlement for bringing up those claims. And I would like to just learn more about, I am not like an expert on it, but. Is, and it's the, and it's Kim, not the net, not the Bravo network. It's or the, it's the network okay. and not Kim. That's great. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So that I thought was a very interesting, I mean, obviously I wouldn't mm-hmm. expect less from Nini. We know mm-hmm. she's yeah. extremely intelligent yes. and like savvy. Mm-hmm. Um, but I wonder, like, I'm sure she's not, it might be the most pronounced um, case or something, but mm-hmm. I'm sure there's, like, a lot of people could actually do that. Like, I just thought of, like, Joyce, who I never liked so much, but from Beverly oh, yeah. Hills. Mm-hmm. That was... She was yeah. treated extremely, in mm-hmm. an extremely racist way, mm-hmm. just straight up. Mm-hmm. Um, so, yeah, Bravo better watch itself. Um, yeah, thanks for breaking yeah. that down. I, um, I'm very proud of Nini for that, and I'll look more into the case, mm-hmm. but I think that... Um, when people act like individual individuals and how they show up and behave is not in the context of everything that we're taught to be and how we're taught to move, it it just is a boring conversation. So this mm-hmm. is much more intriguing mm-hmm. to be like, well, this is systemic because yeah. we're talking about yeah. all the different times that they didn't cut that shit out and mm-hmm. they made us yeah. watch it. And, you know, who gets and, punished, who doesn't. So, yeah. um it is it is a it is a system thing. Mm-hmm. And how many times did that that Bravo the network like stoked that fire? You know, yeah, exactly. at the expense at the expense of Nini, at the expense of the other black women on on the on the on the show in Atlanta, right? And it's like as people on the show too, they, I mean, it's like a understood point by both of you already, but it's like they. Um, yeah, like, like as black women, basically, they're allowed to want to go on the show. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Like, mm-hmm. it shouldn't be an expected piece of the puzzle yeah. for yeah. conflict, yeah. you know? Yeah. Um, what do you think about Salt Lake City? And um, were you able to, 
flip into the bathtub and watch it last sure night. <laughs> Drop my phone in the bathtub too. Oh, no. <laughs> I was jealous yeah, that man, you retrograde's were. over. Yeah. yeah. Um. Sorry, babe. What do you think? Um, Marco's helping me. Okay. <laughs> um. So, what do you think of Jen Shaw? Because like, not we've been speaking pretty specifically about housewives bravo abolition but like now we actually see even more so with erica there was like the trial and the law component Mm -hmm, but with mm -hmm. jen shaw we're actually seeing like a like arrests or at least pursuit of arrests and we're seeing like distressing footage of like what was happening at home Mm -hmm, and like her own children or family members Mm -hmm. like being um like in contact with the police in an mm-hmm. aggressive way. And, like, mm-hmm. now we have this new season beginning where um, her, like, time before trial is going to play mm-hmm. out. Like, what are you kind of feeling about that or expecting of it? I think the Jen Shaw of it all is so deep. It's so complex. Um, I think there's a lot happening there. I think... Jen also grew up in in Utah. Yeah, I, it, something that she names is that she grew up as the only uh, girl of color, woman of color, yeah. surrounded by white folks. Right. Um, I think there's some deep, deep shit happening there. Um, and I also, um, I just I'm thinking about how, but how. She's at the beginning of this season. She talks about how much how she can make millions. She can make so much money, right? Yeah. Um. Oftentimes, I think people of color, we, um, our our idea, our success is based upon like because it's what we're. This is the culture, right? It, around capitalism and how much money and millions and X, X, Y, and Z, right? Um. I think what she did is what she's alleged to have done, which is defraud a lot of folks who are elderly and and or mentally um, incapacitated is really terrible. It's really tough. Um, it sucks that it's like Jen Shaw, who was the one who got caught. Um, and um, I, it's really, it makes me, I think a lot about her, about, a lot about her family, her, her husband, her kids, the people in her life, how that's going to affect them. Um, and the, the, people that she allegedly you know defrauded like that's really terrible yeah so i was wondering like the idea of revenge um i think is one of the like revenge real being relevant to like punishment and both of those as things that are or like systems or commonplace you know revenge and punishment are pervasive let's say in our culture and like In the Housewives universe, do you feel like there's been any specific storyline or housewife who's been, like, the most vengeful, like, who's prioritized revenge the most? Maybe not the most, but I'm just thinking about this week's episode of Salt Lake City and how Meredith is showing up. Yes. And, um... You know, Lisa has a meltdown and says really horrible things about her friend for 10 years. And, 
you can tell she's in a rage. I've seen my sister Rahel get in that type of rage. And I know, I know it doesn't make it okay. It doesn't, but I've definitely been there where I'm seeing red and just feeling angry. Mm-hmm. Um, and I really love what, who was it? Someone was talking about what you give, you should get back or like some, some sort of oh, equity in it relationships. Was, um, I, it was um, Heather when she was talking about there's a Mormon yeah. principle that yes. says, what you should expect, something like yeah, that. Yeah, like what you give, um, something around just equity in relationships. And if you have 10 years of um, 10 years of a friendship that, and someone's genuinely apologizing, where is the compassion and the space to have a deeper conversation than I forgive you or I don't. But the way, um, and it's it's again, it's a theater. It's like performance, right? So who's apologizing right? Do you mean it? Everything is mm-hmm, just up for mm-hmm. interpretation. And the the te- the telescope is um, over you. So people are just hyper aware of how they're showing up on camera. And I think some people read it as it's not genuine. Why didn't she call me during the break? Now she wants to apologize on camera, you know. Mm-hmm. So it's all these kind of dynamics. But the way Meredith is taking her to now be vengeful calculated calculated pretending she's not spreading rumors like well i heard or i'm just saying i i'm not gonna say it but and then like you know indirectly saying it and i can't stand that shit if you're gonna be a bitch be a bitch like don't 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 be don't be a snake yeah she's actually an amazing white culture case study in that way because she plays it as uh, aloof mm-hmm. and isolated mm-hmm. and above that mm-hmm. while well, she's actually putting real resources into like creating situations for revenge mm-hmm. and like takedowns yes and yes she she's like manipulative in a chilling way mm-hmm. um Mm-hmm. And I, I actually did. I'm glad it came up because I did feel that Morgan, uh, Morgan Mormon truism did. It kind of like taught me something too because I think post 2020, like very individually for me, I think of course there's so much to learn about um, the history of the world and the remaking of our world mm-hmm. um, for sure, and that's a lifelong pursuit. Hopefully, but I feel like what struck me a lot around. 2020 uprisings and like the world and culture that's followed is really having more awareness of those systems not being of this world being of me like Mm -hmm. in me as Mm -hmm. a white person and like Mm -hmm. how do I relate in relationship with a lot of people of color romantic of everybody but like especially with so many friendships and my romantic relationship where I am the white one in the relationship and how quickly like what have how have I been socialized to so quickly mm-hmm. go to um like ultimatums or mm-hmm. Xing out or I- icing and um punishing revenge mm-hmm. like and um Meredith just evokes a lot of that mm-hmm. for me and yeah. like she also the um the violence of her thinking that like by being quieter. And, mm-hmm. and speaking very like mm-hmm. whispered mm-hmm. and you know how she was like a lawyer and like using mm-hmm. that kind of like academic mm-hmm. uh, and language authority to like to just like pretend to have this composure right. that's mm-hmm. very yeah it's cold yeah. in Salt Lake City yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> she's an ice queen or whatever yeah. <laughs> and, her, and what about when she's what was her iconic quote 
Uh, I'm not engaging. Oh yeah, I'm, I'm disengaging. disengaging. <laughs> White people just like <laughs> but it's also like, girl, you are on a reality TV show. Yeah, like, like you shouldn't get paid then. <laughs> yeah. And then yeah, I yeah. love when she's uh, what she's like. Did you like a tweet calling my son a twink? Or like something like that. I love that quote. <laughs> I think that's so funny. <laughs> um, okay, I had a silly question, which was, do you have a favorite Bravo, like housewife pop, you know, many housewives have hit studios, not unlike that, which we're in right now, <laughs> laid down tracks. Um, do you have any housewife hits that you would say is the best or your most cherished one of them all? I have one. Well, I have, I have two, really. <laughs> but one of them that stands up to mind, that comes to mind is um, um, on display by the one and only <laughs> Wow. <laughs> Melissa I didn't think you were going to say that. That is so unique. <laughs> that yeah. is a sexy, unique answer. <laughs> no, I just remembered because, well, fun fact, um, uh, Heywan and I spent like the first three months of the pandemic, like from March until May together oh, at nice. my parents' house. Mm-hmm. And we started watching Housewives of New Jersey from the very beginning. I had never seen it. So we would spend literally the beginning of the pandemic like yeah, watching days, it mm-hmm. weeks uh-huh. and um, all 10 seasons tyranny yeah all 10 seasons that's a lot to get down <laughs> i rewatched a lot i show i screened a lot for brian as i say um but <laughs> the 10 season like full origin story to now is a yeah. lot it's yeah wild yeah um and so i just think uh, on display is a song that always gets stuck in my head uh, and I don't know anything else other than on display. On display. I know I feel very. I think <laughs> I've never seen like um, Gorga in the booth, so I really need to like on my sacred rewatches or mm-hmm. my sacred watching of old seasons, mm-hmm. which I hold extremely dear. Mm-hmm. These rituals of going <laughs> yes, back. Yes. Um, I'm gonna go and then there was there a second one you yes, said uh, money can't buy you class money can't buy you class <laughs> elegance is learned my friends <laughs> elegance is learned my oh yeah <laughs> i um have that's my favorite song countess luann but also we have to make a little bit of room for baby melania Oh, oh my God. <laughs> that is so true. They, I don't know if they lay down the track, but a classic. That Definitely song actually a classic. brings tears. Like, I yeah. cannot watch her singing. I'm waking up in the morning, <laughs> thinking about so many things. <laughs> Gia, Gia, Gia. Uh, I want to say Melania. Oh, yeah, Melania right. did have another Baby song. G- yes, yes, yes. But I'm talking about Wish Baby Gia. Wishing things get better. Something <laughs> like that. Like, I wish I wake up in the morning, thinking about so many things. I just what? wish things would get better. I'm tired of something. something. Oh. <laughs> My favorite, though, is when it, they're like playing it and then the dramatic music comes out. <laughs> and then all the adults are standing around fucking embarrassed. <laughs> yeah, the adults are over here traumatizing <laughs> this little child yeah. and fighting at Christian's Car- Caroline is in the confessional and is like, there's no reason why this little girl needs to be singing this. <laughs> oh my God. She's like, please don't have your child read out, you know, like a, a cry. Uh, that made me feel so sad was, because I remember just like 
you know, you're a kid, you're literally just like praying for things to be okay, you know, <laughs> yeah. at least in my environment. Yes. <laughs> and I feel like a lot of immigrant kids can relate to that yeah. moment, often having to reparent and t- take be a, your uh, parents' emotional caretakers yeah. in this place. So it just really, I was like, oh man, I remember, mm-hmm. I remember moments where I've had mm-hmm. to do that. Those, like, why are we fighting? Yeah. Those girls have been through a so lot much. and had so it shown, much, yeah. like been so transparently mm-hmm. broadcast and- it, like, as you brought up earlier, seeing, I guess, Gia get involved with um, Joe at mm-hmm, the last mm-hmm, season, mm-hmm. like, that kind of, like, really struck me. Because, like, yeah. my mom has a lot of siblings <clears throat> and there will be conflict. But, like, as cousins, we're usually kind of on the Kathy, Kim, Kyle cousin mm-hmm. route where it's, like, we're all good. So, like, mm-hmm. to see it be personal. I could imagine it being personal enough to step mm-hmm, in. But, mm-hmm. like, seeing it go down to that next generation, mm-hmm. I'm like, oh, fuck no. Yeah, like, no. it's really... It's it's sad to watch, and 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 it just is just such a, it, it's just such a reflection of a lot of immigrant families, like that fight that happened over some land over there. Yeah. Now it becomes something over here, and then it becomes the parents, and then it becomes your, and then you're just kids, and you're growing up, and you're replicating the same patterns, replicating the same like not being able to talk honestly. Yeah. Um or or like talking shit, you know? Um fighting with your uncle, fighting with your aunt, like, you know, it's just passive aggression. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Aggression. Um do either of you I think you venture into Vanderpump rules territory sometimes. Um I am sorry that I like this song that goes, "Ain't nobody got me feeling like I'm feeling you." <laughs> and it's Lala. Oh she, my god! It's the most racist, like inappropriate <laughs> character. She's with she's the so... white Kanye, DJ James oh, Kennedy. Yeah, that's right, right. She's like, "Ain't nobody got me feeling like I'm feeling you," and she's like just talking like I am, basically. Uh-huh. She can't sing, but Sheena Sheena Shea had a couple songs, right? Good as gold. Oh yeah. Right. <laughs> <laughs> uh, Sheena was hilarious. Sheena came to mind in the discussion of like the commitment to the perfection performance mm. because when you it was a obvious of the first viewing but like when i rewatch seasons of vanderpump rules at fault during her marriage and following her divorce instantly in a new relationship which i don't judge but it's just like the way she's constantly like like i love my partner for example but why would we talk about him at all like in yeah. this basically you know <laughs> yeah, like, yeah, yeah. like she's like constantly yeah. talking and like selling us on everything about her life and i'm just like babe it's relax like, yeah it's like, gonna be please. okay Lola. yeah she needs wholeness i think she has it now um <laughs> <laughs> she needs wholeness. okay well unfortunately we're running out of time but um maybe we can have like a a quick i could ask you just a quick couple questions uh our version of a lightning round. Um, do either of you have a favorite housewife city of all time? Salt Lake City. Nice. Atlanta. Atlanta. And did you like having um, Sheree back this season in Atlanta? Yes. Did you watch? I was so ready. And I was ready to... I was. I wanted to see the fashion show with fashions. Yeah. I wanted to see... <laughs> I, I love that he was there, too. Yeah. <laughs> um, I love Sheree. 
um, I wanted cool. to get a pair of joggers until I saw they cost $120. Uh-huh. <laughs> <laughs> and they weren't ethically made and you no. can't get them on another <laughs> retail. Somehow, they, somehow they're still in Alaska. I don't know. <laughs> um, and what about housewife of all time? And, you know, we can say favorite in a cheeky way where it might be that she gives the most. It doesn't mean you endorse her. Okay. I would I would go with Mary Cosby. I could watch her on TV uh, anytime. She should have her she's, own show. She's um yeah. Teresa is iconic. Yes. Um and uh Portia. Uh, I love Portia. I was gonna ask if you missed Portia this I miss season. Portia. I think because she's so funny mm-hmm. um that like we could have uh, yeah, we could have had a little more like st- strongly viewpointed narration or something. Mm -hmm. Um, Mary Crosby, she, she could film scenes alone. Mm -hmm. She needed not Mm -hmm. one person, not just not another housewife. She didn't need anybody in the room to be extremely Mm -hmm. compelling. Mm -hmm. I love it. Yeah. Another person that would be fun to do a mental health, uh, deep dive. Someone that grew up in the church that was groomed at a very young age. Yeah. Her great grandfather. Yeah. Yeah. It's it's almost like, oh my God, the story's too good. Yeah. Like, because it's too real. It's like, wow. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Um, Okay. Would you ever want um, Lisa Vanderpump to return to Beverly Hills Housewives? Are we done with her? Only if she's going to come back for Lisa Rinna. Okay. Yeah. Agreed. Just had this a, conversation. A big fight. Sorry, <laughs> it's like a dog fight. Uh, actually, like I hate Teddy Mellencamp. I'm oh, sorry. Dear. I'll just be clear. And I, I don't. I, I want to meet her so she can be like, "You just hate me because you don't want to go to my weight loss camp." But I'm like, no. I could be 99 pounds, and I would hate you. Like, um, but I do give her like interest. It's interesting that in the lore of Housewives that she will always be the one who ultimately took down Lisa Vanderpump, who's like the most, you know, mm-hmm. oh, um, powerful right? Beverly Hills force yeah. for so many years. Yeah. I don't know. Um, well, I know we could just, you know, sit here for ages. We're going to have to have another um, experience, <laughs> but I really appreciate everything you've both this shared so today. Fun. This is really fun. We could talk about this for hours. I'm mm-hmm. so glad that you both are in my life because I need this kind of, this level discourse, mm-hmm. and I appreciate you pushing me to also like, yeah, just be really present in how I feel when I'm watching these shows mm-hmm. and being aware of what they do for me, and um, yeah, I love the what we mentioned before of just like the lack of pretension of like the pressure, whether it's because we need to be like conscious enough or Mm -hmm. just like Mm -hmm. uh, smart enough or Mm -hmm. like, because in my college era, it was a little bit of like, I'm a like blonde Valley girl desperate to be like validated by like East coast Ivy Mm -hmm. league, Mm -hmm. like academic pretension. I didn't even go to school over there, but just like meeting people like that and like Mm -hmm. wanting Mm -hmm. to be perceived that way. Um, I'm like, you know, you can read and watch a show in the same day. No pressure to read, but just like there's time for it all. Cause that's life. Right. Yeah. I, I also, I just love the way you um, are so critical of the content you watch and that you create. And that Mm -hmm. I think the more the more dialogues we have, the more conversations like this that like pierce the binary, that break judgment, Mm -hmm. that 
content that pushes us to hold the mirror up to ourselves. Where is toxicity living in me? Yeah. My relationships. Mm-hmm. What healing do I need to do with my family? And to just constantly be in that loop. Because um, it becomes irresponsible when you watch these things and you enable these people yeah. or you enable these situations. So how do you learn from them? What do you, what can you take away? Yeah. How can you be like conscious and intentional about the way you're watching it? Because it's very easy. I know from experience, it's very easy to watch this, like watch this content and then try and then start to like kind of embody things. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? That are toxic. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, and and I um, and so how can you actually watch it from a more um, in, um, Mm-hmm. In, in a more intentional way so that you can actually use it as a reflection um, and as a, as a, as an, as fun. Yes. Interrogate your fun. materialism, interrogate yeah, exactly. your ra- internal racism. We all have it. Mm-hmm. It's oh, yeah. okay. Where the, uh, I'm sorry, but where's the fat house? So I fall on the lesbians and yeah. more queer <laughs> mm-hmm. and pansexual, bisexual yeah. representation. I'm like, there's a lot. I mean, you know, it's just, there's an endless Mm-hmm. Yes. words and adjectives yes. to put mm-hmm. before that but it's like yeah. um it's kind of like our message to bravo too where it's like you know including these conversations just like including a more diverse and representative cast in terms of race but also in terms of many mm-hmm. ident- yeah. you know qualifiers yeah. it like it only increases the amount of conflict and space to mm-hmm. have conversation exactly. you know and it makes it funner yeah. like yeah. we don't it, part of like abolition is also like not having to run away from conflict it doesn't have to be like something that you can that is like oh, the scary thing you know what i mean yeah. like you can actually just you can actually move through conflict and also build better relationships Yes. And I am scared of conflict, like in relationships, especially with the we people I'm closest to. Mm-hmm. Yes. And that's like very like super inspiring and like um seeing it you know, play out in the show where like they have to show up and basically talk about how they feel, even if mm-hmm. they do their best to lie. It mm-hmm. is sort of an interesting um mm-hmm. not parallel but thing to keep in mind. I love that you said bringing in more diversities to to just bring in these conversations mm-hmm. because it's it's I just love that you said that because I think sometimes when people push for more diversity, it's to they think that character is going to save us or be the woke one. Or mm-hmm. if we have black representation, if we have queer or like, but it's no, it's just seeing how, again, that the world exists with all of us across yeah. identity. How what does it look like if we see the housewives as a world within a world? What 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 like in the Jenny moments come up of saying something racist? How do you actually experiment with a diverse world and moving through it mm-hmm. in that way? And it would just make more room to to for the people that actually exist, you know. Yeah, I mean, we even saw a little bit with um, Mary. Remember Mary and Jenny's mm-hmm. like last season. Yeah, um, it's just these are things that happen as human beings, right? And then like Bravo or whoever's like creating media can expect that when you're inviting in people that are um, like not as like normative to the cast you've already created, like not having certain expectations that they're going to be like this, like savior character. Mm -hmm. Like those are like Mm -hmm. stereotypes Mm -hmm. in our mainstream culture throughout the last hundred years of like the magical qualities of like people of color coming in and like saving things. Like Mm -hmm. the women of color should be able to like make as many mistakes and transgressions as the white women on cast. Yeah, exactly. It's Uh, diversity, but also representation. The more representation we have, the more bodies, the more identities, mm -hmm. um, then we see a whole community Mm -hmm. um, versus wanting, putting all our hopes and dreams into that one person, that one black person, Mm -hmm. that one queer person, that, um, then we won't be punished for not fitting yeah. in a particular box of what people need. And there's more options to choose from. Yeah. Something that reality TV has taught me has been how to um, not choose sides. 
and how to not expect one person to be like my favorite you know what i mean yeah like so so it's, it's like not that not one person wins you know because i started watching reality tv like that like who yeah. is, out of all of these women in each in each city who which one of them is my favorite and which one am i rooting for eventually i really had to interrogate that and and like and break that like actually i'm not watching this to see who wins who comes out on top who yeah does. i'm actually seeing entire people do a dance together. Mm-hmm. Yeah, because it's not a sport. It's a collection mm-hmm. of lives, literally. Yeah. And that's what I think is that um, maybe not primal, but very like natural urge, that curiosity mm-hmm. that brought us to these different kinds of shows in the first yeah. place. Yeah. yeah. Um. Well, if there's anything else you want to say to wrap up, otherwise, perhaps if you're open to people connecting with you on social media or anything else you want to amplify as we leave. Um... Thank you so much, Tierney. This is amazing. amazing. I'm so happy um, that you invited us to do this. I could literally could talk more about all of these pieces, all these women, all these cities. Yeah. <laughs> um, I'm my name is Ale. You can find me at on Instagram Ale dot por vida. Ale por vida. Mm-hmm. And I closing thoughts. Um, I know things have felt really um, bleak. But I really feel very hopeful and mm-hmm. conversations like this and um, putting a twist and questioning culture and creating our own mm-hmm. is always really exciting to me. Um, so thanks. Thanks for that, Tierney. Yeah, um, and you can and this is Haywan speaking. You can find me at underscore Hey, H-E-Y-Y wonton. Hey, wonton. <laughs> and you can search the people I follow <laughs> if you want to have a more direct line. You follow me. Um, Thank you both so much. I think it's super clear that I'm not even needed here. You know, I encourage when the time is right. Um, I want to be tuning into um, YouTube podcasting about this. <laughs> uh, been talking about and then the, the discourse will be even uh, richer. So until next time, thank you. And thank you, Pirate, for having us record. Thanks for listening to Tierney Talks. The show is produced and hosted by me, Tierney Fenster. You can find me on social media at TSTAR7. And the show is recorded and edited by Margot Padilla. We're at Pirate Studios in Silver Lake. And for those of you who don't know or may have heard me say it before, Pirate is a 24-7 recording studio space open to all people. Pirate believes that everyone should have the space they need to create. You can book online to reserve either DJ rooms music rehearsal rooms, music recording rooms, and podcast studios all over the UK, US, Germany, and Ireland. Oh my God, Tierney Talks in Ireland? One day, babes. Okay, so please consider um, checking out Pirate if you want to book your own space at any of the Pirate locations. You can use code Tierney, T-I-E-R-N-E-Y, to receive $10 off any booking. Um, Please, if you liked the show, if you loved the show, if you're obsessed with the show, please, please, please share to a friend, um, rate and subscribe. 
And remember, we're available to be listened to wherever your podcasts are found. So just know I really appreciate it. And when I see all of you going back and listening to old episodes too, it just makes me so happy. So until next time, lots of love, luck, blessings, joy, laughter, orgasms, etc. Tierney.